Chapter Four, Part One of *The Many-Sided Franklin* by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Four, Religion, Part One. On January sixth, seventeen o six, the very day Franklin was born, he was baptized in the Old South Church in Boston if trustworthy tradition be given credence he was carried thither through the deep snow by his mother and this act which now would be held little short of murder was no less perilous then as is proved by the fearful death rate among the mothers and children of new england but the calvinistic faith of the puritans maintained that the physical danger of either matricide or infanticide was as nothing compared with the spiritual risk of the babe dying unbaptized and so convention decreed that both parent and offspring should be exposed without loss of time rather than doom the little one to eternal damnation the strain of religious austerity that such a proceeding implied was a heritage this obscure family of ours franklin writes of his english progenitors was quote, early in the reformation and continued protestants through the reign of queen mary when they were sometimes in danger of trouble on account of their zeal against popery they had got an english bible and to conceal and secure it it was fastened open with tapes under and within the cover of a joint stool when my great-great-grandfather read it to his family he turned up the joint stool upon his knees turning over the leaves then under the tapes one of the children stood at the door to give notice if he saw the apparitor coming who was an officer of the spiritual court in that case the stool was turned down again upon its feet when the bible remained concealed under it as before the family continued church of england folk with the exception of franklin's father and uncle who were led to change their faith during the reign of king charles the second by the obvious tendency of the court toward romanism and the severity of the parliamentary laws against the independent sectaries Quote, when some of the ministers that had been outed for nonconformity holding conventicles in northamptonshire benjamin and josiah adhered to them and so continued all their lives just prior to the death of charles or immediately after the accession of james when affairs looked so hopeless for the puritans some considerable men of josiah franklin's acquaintance planned a removal to new england and he was prevailed with to accompany them thither where they expected to enjoy their mode of religion with freedom josiah franklin shortly after his arrival in america became a member of the old south church and his chief distinction appears to have been in the affairs of this church sewell states that upon occasion he moved prayer at meeting or pitched the tune and the son records in his autobiography that he quote, was skilled a little in music and had a clear pleasing voice so that when he played psalm tunes on his violin and sung withal as he sometimes did in an evening after the business of the day was over it was extremely agreeable to hear end quote nor did the two services on sunday and the thursday lecture satisfy the religious side of his nature for he held devotional meetings in his own home 
the ambition of every self-respecting new england family at that time was to produce at least one clergyman and josiah planned to devote benjamin quote, as the tithe of his sons to the service of the church end quote, an intention stimulated by franklin's early bookishness quote, my uncle benjamin too approved of it and having been a great attender of sermons of the best preachers which he took down he proposed to give me all his shorthand volumes of sermons i suppose as a stock to set up with if i would learn his character but as already mentioned the expense and the probable mean living finally led the parent to change his determination Yet clearly the mean living was not the absolute deterrent, for at sixteen years of age, in his description of Harvard College, the boy, recounting the shifts of the graduates for a livelihood, described how the greater, quote, crowd went along a large beaten path which led to a temple at the further end of the plain, called the Temple of Theology the business of those who were employed in this temple being laborious and painful i wondered exceedingly to see how so many go towards it but while i was pondering this matter in my mind i spied pecunia behind a curtain beckoning to them with her hand which sight immediately satisfied me for whose sake it was that a greater part of them i will not say all travelled that road apparently too franklin later in life did not approve of even the mean living of the new england clergy for he declared apropos of the test act of massachusetts quote, if christian preachers had continued to teach as christ and his apostles did without salaries and as the quakers now do i imagine tests would never have existed for i think they were invented not so much to secure religion itself as the emoluments of it when a religion is good i conceive that it will support itself and when it cannot support itself and god does not take care to support it so that its professors are obliged to call for the help of the civil power it is a sign i apprehend of its being a bad one he did not however believe in his theory strongly enough to apply it within the family circle for franklin wrote to the father of the boy he had selected for his son-in-law Quote, tell me whether george is to be a church or presbyterian parson i know you are a presbyterian yourself but then i think you have more sense than to stick him into a priesthood that admits of no promotion if he was a dull lad it might not be amiss but george has parts and ought to aim at his mitre the story of franklin's objecting to his father's long prayers and suggesting that he make a wholesome grace over the pork barrel shows how early the lad revolted from the faith of his father Quote, my parents had early given me religious impressions he states and brought me through my childhood piously in the dissenting way but i was scarce fifteen when after doubting by turns of several points as i found them disputing in the different books i read i began to doubt of revelation itself some books against deism fell into my hands they were said to be the substance of sermons preached at boyle's lectures it happened they wrought an effect on me quite contrary to what was intended by them for the arguments of the deists which were quoted to be refuted appeared to be much stronger than the refutation in short i soon became a thorough deist no sooner was the boy by his apprenticeship made free from his parents direct control than he devoted his sundays to reading 
quote, evading as much as I could the common attendance on public worship which my father used to exact of me when I was under his care, end quote. This, and, quote, my indiscreet disputations about religion began to make me pointed at with horror by the good people as an infidel and atheist, end quote. Such a view Franklin always resented and showed indignation at the lack of public discrimination concerning the words, quote, because I think they are diametrically opposite and not near of kin, as Mr. Whitefield seems to suppose, where in his journal he tells us, M.B. was a deist, I had almost said an atheist. That is chalk, I had almost said charcoal, end quote. Suspicion of atheism and failure to attend church were enough to destroy the reputation of anyone in New England in 1720, but Franklin did worse. The Mathers, who then dominated Massachusetts intellectually, though firm believers in witches, had, with curious contradiction, come out in favor of the palliative for the smallpox which Lady Mary Wortley Montague had brought to England from Turkey. Those opposed to inoculation found in James Franklin's New England Courant a ready mouthpiece for all their views, and as the controversy grew it took on a personal quality. The Mathers were attacked, were ridiculed, and even their ungainly writings were burlesqued. The reverend gentlemen, unused to such irreverent treatment, lost their dignity and replied in kind. The Courant, according to Cotton Mather, was a, quote, notorious scandalous newspaper full freighted with nonsense unmannerliness raillery profaneness immorality arrogance calumnies lies contradictions and what not all tending to quarrels and divisions and to debauch and corrupt the minds and manners of new england end quote this was echoed in no minor key by increase mather who declared the paper a quote, wicked liable because the printer in one of his vile currants insinuates that if the ministers of god approve of a thing it is a sign it is of the devil which is a horrid thing to be related and he doth frequently abuse the ministers of religion and many other worthy persons in a manner which is intolerable for these and such like reasons i signified to the printer that i would have no more of their wicked currants i who have known what new england was from the beginning cannot but be troubled to see the degeneracy of this place i can well remember when the civil government would have taken a severe course to repress such a cursed liable which if not taken i am afraid some awful judgment will come upon this land and the wrath of god will arise and there will be no remedy i cannot but pity poor franklin who though but a young man it may be speedily he must appear before the judgment seat of god and what answer will he give for printing things so evil and abominable thus whipped by the clergy the civil government took action against the courant and eventually issued an order that james franklin should cease to print it true to the letter of the order and disobedience to the spirit the printer continued to issue the paper but with the name of his brother benjamin as the publisher in place of his own the paper too continued the attacks on the clergy and religious knaves though in a mock letter of reproof to itself it was warned not to quote, cast injurious reflections on the reverend and faithful ministers of the gospel end quote. 
if frowned upon by church and state the paper prospered soon came to exceed in circulation and advertising patronage its rivals and dared even to raise its price fortunately for franklin his quarrels with his brother presently terminated his connection with the courant and drove him from boston where the bad reputation he had acquired would probably henceforth have prevented his advancement in tolerant philadelphia he was free to think and act as he pleased and one incident during the first day he passed in the city seemed to typify the difference between voluntary and enforced religion for having avoided church-going in boston on his arrival in the city of brotherly love he relates that quote, i walked again up the street which by this time had many clean-dressed people in it who were all walking the same way i joined them and thereby was led into a great meeting-house of the quakers near market street i sat down among them and after looking round a while and hearing nothing said being very drowsy through labor and want of rest the preceding night i fell fast asleep and continued so till the meeting broke up when one was kind enough to rouse me this was therefore the first house i was in or slept in in philadelphia during his first brief visit to london franklin made friends of a number of deists such as leon and mandeville both of whom had written books then thought highly irreligious franklin himself followed their example while working as a journeyman printer he was employed in composing for the second edition of williston's religion of nature the book was an absolutely inoffensive one and the six editions and ten thousand copies sold of it probably did as little harm as any book ever printed but to the young doubter fresh from his controversies with the boston ministers it was an irritation to leave unanswered the a priori positions and circular reasonings based thereon concerning good and evil truth and falsehood pleasure and pain so in spare hours he wrote and put into type a little tractate animadverting on some of the clerical author's arguments and practically denying a future life or rewards the existence of natural religion and of the theological distinction between man and beast this dissertation on quote, liberty and necessity pleasure and pain end quote, has since been known as his wicked tract and franklin lived to term it an erratum and to destroy almost all of the hundred copies he had printed upon his return to philadelphia franklin quote, regularly paid my subscription for the support of the only presbyterian minister or meeting end quote, in that city yet while quote, i had still an opinion of its propriety and its utility i seldom attended any public worship end quote. For this conduct his clergymen reproved him, and urged Franklin to attend his administrations, and, quote, I was now and then prevailed on to do so, once for five Sundays successively. Had he been, in my opinion, a good preacher, perhaps I might have continued, notwithstanding the occasion I had for the Sunday's leisure in my course of study. But his discourses were chiefly either polemical arguments or explications of the peculiar doctrines of our sect, and were all to me very dry, uninteresting, and unedifying, since not a single moral principle was inculcated or enforced. Their aim seemed to be rather to make us Presbyterians than good citizens." Finally, a special sermon so disgusted Franklin that he attended his preaching no more. Quote, 
i had some years before composed a little liturgy or form of prayer for my own private use viz in seventeen twenty eight entitled articles of belief and acts of religion i returned to the use of this and went no more to the public assemblies so long as this clergyman was the sole minister of the sect in philadelphia franklin continued to absent himself from church but quote, about the year seventeen thirty four there arrived among us from ireland a young presbyterian preacher named hemphill who delivered with a good voice apparently extempore most excellent discourses which drew together considerable numbers of different persuasions who joined in admiring him among the rest i became one of his constant hearers his sermons pleasing me as they had little of the dogmatical kind but inculcated strongly the practice of virtue or what in the religious style are called good works the rev jedediah andrews the old clergyman did not agree with franklin having first taken mr hemphill for his assistant as his popularity grew he came to believe it nothing but a dreadful plot laid by satan to root christianity out of the world and charged that the eloquent preacher drew about him only free thinkers deists and nothings through his influence the newcomer was arraigned for heterodoxy before a synod and quote, never was there such a trial known in the american world end quote mr hemphill had preached that the gospel was a revival of the laws of nature that the lord's supper promoted a good life but was not a communion with christ he prayed for mankind and not for the church and perhaps worst of all in the eyes of his accuser had preached sermons in which he had made no mention of original sin franklin who had become a zealous partisan Quote, contributed all i could to raise a party in his favor and we combated for him a while with some hopes of success there was much scribbling pro and con upon the occasion and finding that though an eloquent preacher he was but a poor writer i lent him my pen and wrote for him two or three pamphlets and one piece in the gazette these defended hemphill because quote, in all his discourses he enforced christian charity and the necessity of a good life end quote. but how little in accord franklin was with his own church is shown by his assertions that quote, good works put men in god's way and reconcile god to them end quote, and that quote, original sin was as ridiculous as imputed righteousness end quote a reply was quickly forthcoming which dwelt on the pamphleteer's false and abusive criminations his outrageous billingsgate language and horrid profaneness as was foreordained the eloquent clergyman was brought in guilty and silenced but he continued to preach as an independent until he was caught using another man's sermons Quote, this detection gave many of our party disgust who accordingly abandoned his cause i stuck by him however as i rather approved his giving us good sermons composed by others than bad ones of his own manufacture though the latter was the practice of our common preachers he afterwards acknowledged to me that none of those he preached were his own and i quitted the congregation never joining it after though i continued many years my subscriptions for the support of its minister his disgust may have been the direct cause of poor richard's remark that quote, many have quarrelled about religion that never practised it end quote. franklin's opinion of church disputes is given in no uncertain key 
Quote, each party abuses the other, the profane and the infidel believe both sides and enjoy the fray, the reputation of religion in general suffers, and its enemies are ready to say, not what was said in the primitive times, behold how these Christians love one another, but mark how these Christians hate one another. Indeed, when religious people quarrel about religion, or hungry people about their victuals, it looks as if they had not much of either among them. End quote. End of chapter 4, part 1